chapter 5, for a message entitled, The Three That Testify. The Three That Testify. But first, let's pray. We want to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to understand His Word. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you in thanks. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your patience. And we thank you for the testimony. Lord, you're so good, and you want people to believe. And you're so patient with us. And so, Father, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, people would be convinced that Jesus is the anointed one. He is the Christ, the Savior of the world. And that they would be convinced that if they put their faith in Jesus, they believe that he died on the cross for their sins, that he rose again on the third day, that you'll forgive them as they repent and turn to you. Father, I pray that you would do wonder-working power here this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, 1 John chapter 5. Last week, we saw that we want to believe, but we want to believe in the Jesus Christ of the Bible. That it was the key point is we want to believe in Jesus the Christ and everything Scripture says about Jesus. It is very, very important, the Bible tells us, that we have to have a correct view of Jesus. We have to have a correct view of who he is and what he has done. We have to believe that he is fully God, he's fully man, that he was born of a virgin, that he died on the cross for our sins, that he was present there, that he was laid in a tomb, and then on the third day he was raised from the dead. We have to believe in that Jesus. And our God is so patient. I mean, if you think about it, our God has always been, he always is, and he always will be. And he could just say, here's the reality, and he doesn't have to explain anything. He could just say, I'm God, you're not the end. And he didn't have to give us this. But he wants us to believe. He draws us to himself. He gives testimonies, witnesses, evidences that this is true. And so if you are an intellectual and you think, you know what, I want to believe, but everything I know about Christians is that they're anti-intellectual. Well, here's the thing. God is not. God wants to give you evidences. He wants to show you the witness of the truth of his word. And so I will tell you, I will challenge you, if you read this text with me today and you say, okay, Lord, convince me that you are who you say you are because I don't want to believe in a lie. And you know what? I would agree with you. I don't want you to believe in a lie either. I want you to believe in the truth because here's the thing. The Bible says is that the truth is going to set you free. There's nothing else that's going to set you free. And if you say, okay, Rusty, I will give it a shot. Go. All right, here I go. 
Let's start in 1 John chapter 5. We're going to actually start in verse 5. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, let's break that down. Who is it that overcomes the world? The Bible talks about the world as in this world and its evil system. Who is it that overcomes the trappings of this world, the sin in this world? Who is it that overcomes that? Now, the beautiful thing is that it doesn't say the super wealthy. It doesn't say the super smart, the super beautiful. The people that have all the works. The beautiful thing about that is it says this. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, what we are finding over and over and over in God's word is that when you believe something changes inside of you, God the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, God is love, and you will now become like your God. He is in you, and now his love is in you. So when you say, I believe, what that means is your life will be different than before you believed. You're going to have love. We saw that. John is all about love, 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 love. You're going to have love because God is love and he lives inside of you. We saw in James that you're going to have works. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Bible says is that now you're going to have good works in your life, demonstrating that you're his. You're going to be gentle. You're going to be kind. You're going to not rejoice in wrongdoing, but you're going to rejoice in the truth. Why? Because you believe. And your belief equals a changed life. The Bible says that you are born from above. Now, here's the beautiful thing, is that John goes from that, and he's going to go to the evidences, to the testimony. He's going to show us there's three that testify, three that testify. So I'm going to read our section today, verse 6 through 12, and follow along with all the words of testimony, testify, born. And we'll explore those words. Here we go. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater for this is the testimony of God that he has born concerning his son. Whoever believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe has, been made, has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has born concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So that word testify and testimony, here's what the Strong's uh, Dictionary explains. When you look at those Greek words, here's how they're described. To bear witness or to give evidence. 
So when you look at those, you think, okay, I want witness, evidence, testimony. I want witness, evidence, testimony. That is very intellectual. Christians do not check their brain at the door. And they just come in and think, you know what? Actually, it doesn't make any sense. There's really no testimony. There's no evidence. There's no witnesses. But you know what? It's just a good group of people, and they serve donuts. That's not what we do. We have to be convinced that, you know what? This is the truth. Because to give up all this world has to offer for a lie would be foolish. Because let's not, let's not pretend sin is fun. The Bible says sin is fun for a season. So if it's not true, oh, man, we of all people should be pitied. Because not only are we saying no to all the fun sins of the world, but then at the end it didn't even matter. But if it does matter, if there is evidence and there is testimony and there is witness that this is the truth, we are not to be pitied. But, man, we are so blessed. We're so blessed. Because face it, we all know that sin is fun for a season, but it comes to an end. Amen? And you have to pay the piper. It's not worth it. We know that. But guess what? Before you were a Christian, man, you got caught up and, you know, you wanted everything this world to have to offer. But then the Lord rescued you and he said, listen, let me show you where that path leads. That path leads to death, eternal separation from me, where there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There is no pleasure where that ends up. Pleasure for a season, but the end result is death and separation. Let me show you a better way. Let me prove it to you with witnesses and evidence. Now, I read this commentary. It's the Preaching the Word commentary. David Allen was the particular author of this section, and he tells of a courtroom, you know, a courtroom, where you give someone, they get up, and they say, do you, uh, are you going to tell the whole truth? What does it say? The whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God, right? And you're testifying that, yes, I'm going to be an accurate witness. And he puts the blood on testimony. He brings the blood up as a witness. And you're like, what are you talking about? Okay, imagine a courtroom, and he says, here's a chair, and he puts the blood like here, the blood that testifies. And then he brings up the water, and the water testifies. And then he brings up the spirit, and the spirit testifies. He uses it as a courtroom. And he wants to find out, what did you see? What did you witness? Give us evidence for what happened. We're trying to figure out what happened. Now, I'm going to give a little... Uh, I'm going to give a little example of this. Okay, here's what's going to happen. Kids, I want you to focus in on this. Kids, raise your hand if you like donuts. All right, that's what I'm talking about. As a past kids pastor, I knew I was in good company. All right, kids, now listen. Here's what's going to happen. All you kids, look, this is a donut, okay? This is a donut. Say yummy on the count of three. One, two, three. Yes, yes. All right, now. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to set this donut right here, okay? There's a donut right there. And I want you guys to watch that donut. Now, if there is anybody in this church 
that, will, that gets up. Now, listen, I'm not telling you to get up. Don't, no one get up. But if someone commits the crime of getting up and eating this donut, I want you to pay attention. I want you to tell me if it was a girl or a boy, what color shirt they had on. I want you to learn everything about. So listen, I'm just going to go over here. I got to check something. If anybody gets up and does that, you start to pay attention. Okay, I got to grab something here. What? Where did I put that? Okay, hold on. Let me see. So... The crime, I hope, has been committed. If it has, say yes. Okay, so. Wait, what just happened? Wait a minute. Somebody in this church got up and ate this donut. I could see that someone ate that. Who? Okay, everybody. Should we line everybody up and compare this bite mark to everybody's mouth? We need to find out who ate this donut. All right, raise your hand if you want to come give a testimony of what you saw. What you saw. I want you to give a testimony of what you saw. All right, how about right here? Come up here. I want you to give, sit right here on this chair. Okay, go ahead and sit down there. Face the, face the jury. Okay, now I want you to tell me was did you see who ate this donut? I want you to give me a testimony, okay? So wait, wait, hold on. She had brown hair. Okay, so it was a girl. You're saying it was a girl. That's your testimony. Are you telling the truth? Okay, have a seat, have a seat, have a seat. I need someone else to get up and give me a testimony, testimony of who it was. Okay, I say, Emmerich, Emmerich, come here, Emmerich. All right, Emmerich, I want you to give a testimony. Were you an eyewitness to this crime? Emmerich, come on up here, right here. We're going to give three of these. All right, were you an eyewitness to the crime? Yes. Was this person in this room? Yes. Is it a boy or a girl? Girl. Okay, so she said it was a girl. You say it's a girl. What color shirt was this girl wearing? Black. Black shirt. All right, have a seat. One more, one more. I need one more testimony. One more testimony. All right, come here. I need evidence. I'm calling a witness, and I want to hear the testimony. All right, so now there was a particular person who took a big chunk at, was that you? Does that match your mouth? All right, who, who was it? Um, Rachel's daughter. Okay, does her name rhyme with uh, Raiden? Mm. Jaden. It's Jaden. All right, go ahead and have a seat. All right, he testifies that it's Jaden. Jaden, can you please stand up? All right, let's look. Jaden is a girl. You said she was a girl, and he said she was a girl. And then she, you said she was wearing a black shirt. She's wearing a black shirt. There's evidence. And then somebody called her by name called her Jaden. Is your name Jaden? Yes. <laughs> Did you eat this? Yes. Guilty. On the count of three, say guilty. One, two, three. Guilty. All right, she is guilty. She is guilty. What we just did is we saw a crime take place, and in our courtroom, we brought up three witnesses, and they testified about what they saw. They testified. Now, with that frame of mind, let's go to 
God's word. Look at verse 6, 1 John chapter 5. We're going to focus on this section on the water, the water. Because here's what you've got to say is, Rusty, if they're saying, if God's word is saying that the water testifies and is evidence that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, well, guess what? Then what the water is is super important because that's part of the evidence. Look at this. This is he who came by water and blood. Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, 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 bears witness, gives evidence. Because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify. Okay, there's three that testify, which is what? Witness, evidence, testimony. The Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree. Turn to Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. We're going to see what the water is. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. The water testifies that Jesus is the Messiah. Here we go. Verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus is it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he, con then he consented, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. There is a testimony in Jesus' baptism. The water was a testimony that this is the Christ, the anointed one, the one that everybody has been waiting for. It's Jesus. And the water testifies that this is the Christ, the anointed one, the water baptism Jesus baptism is a testimony is a proof is evidence that Jesus is the Christ that he's the savior of the world this is our evidence this is our evidence going back to 1 John chapter 5 verse 6 now let's focus on the blood so we saw that the first testimony the evidence is the baptism of Jesus where God says this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased God only said that about one person the God man Jesus Christ God testified at Jesus baptism that this is the one first John chapter 5 is saying the water is evidence that Jesus is the Christ. Now let's find out what the blood is. What is the blood? What is the blood? What's the evidence? Read in 6 through 8 again. This is he who came by the water and the blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, not by the baptism only, but by the water and the blood. 
And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree. So we have to figure out what is the blood. What's the blood? I mean, just think about it. Without me going into it, think about what did Christ do for us? He shed his blood. He shed his blood. Look at Matthew chapter 27, verse 32. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. It's the crucifixion. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he had tasted it, he did not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head they put a charge against him, which read, This is the king of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right, one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who crucified him also reviled him in the same way. Verse 45. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour. Have you, have you seen that? Have you pictured what that means? Let me read that again, verse 45. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour. Darkness. So imagine that you got caught up in that mob and you're like, crucify, crucify. They crucify Christ and then darkness all over the land. And you're looking up at Jesus and you're thinking, Did we make a mistake? Because I have never seen darkness over all the land. And then watch what happens, verse 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, leme sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling to Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Verse 51, and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split, and the tombs also were opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep, that's another word for died, were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly this was the Son of God. This is the evidence, the crucifixion, the blood of Christ. When this commentator gets a stool, he puts someone up 
on the witness stand. He puts the blood, and the blood says, yes, I can testify that Jesus was the Christ. I bled from him. We look at the crucifixion, and then we look at everything that happened, where even people that were dead in tombs were raised up, and they walked around in a great earthquake, and darkness covered the sky, and then even a centurion says, truly this was the Son of God. This is one of the evidences. Man, if you want to hang your faith on something, you hang it on the evidence. You hang it on the evidence. Because if God is who he says he is, we will live our lives different than everybody else. We look different. We're strange. We're aliens in this world. The crucifixion is the blood. It's the evidence that Jesus is the anointed one, that he is the Christ. Now look at verse 6 of 1 John chapter 5 again, but we already saw that the water is Jesus' baptism. We saw that the blood is Jesus' crucifixion. So what is the spirit? What is this one called? Spirit is the truth. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by the water and the blood. And the spirit is the one who testifies because the spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree. Who is the Spirit? Look at John chapter 15, verse 26. We got to know who the Spirit is. But when the Helper comes, Jesus says, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, which is testify. He's going to testify that I am who I say I am. And so the third that testifies is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches this. God is one with three distinct beings, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, fully God, fully God, one God. You think, well, how does that work? Here's, here's the thing. I don't know. But I'm okay with not understanding fully the God of the universe. But what I do know is I could trust that this last that testifies is the Holy Spirit because Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is going to come and is going to testify about me. He's going to be my witness. And all of you who are in here who are believers in Christ could say, yes, that is true because that is what drew me to the Lord. The Holy Spirit came in me, opened my eyes. I saw my sin. I repented. It was a miracle. But that's what happened. That's what happened. Christians, we are not anti-intellectual. We believe in hard facts. And these are the facts. 1 John chapter 5, verse 9. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son, that he has testified. 
concerning his son. Whoever believes in the son of God has, t- has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe in God has, been, has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has born concerning his son. And this is the testimony, the evidence, the witness that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Saints, eternal life is found in the Son, Jesus. John chapter 5, verse 24 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but he is passed from death to life. The reason why you have joy is because you say, I've passed from death to life. I was lost, but now I'm found. And I have God's love inside of me. And you know what? That's what motivates me. Everything I do is motivated by God's love. And I want everybody to know about Jesus. He's the eternal one. And I'll show you evidence that he is who he says he is. Jesus goes on, he explains what eternal life is. Because if you think about it, you think eternal life, did that just mean live forever? Well, here's the thing. The Bible teaches that those who reject Christ and call him a liar, who says, you know what, I do not believe you. The Bible says this, that they will also live forever, but in a place called hell, which is a separation from God. So then the question is, wait a minute. So if you don't ever die, then what does eternal life mean? What does that mean? The beautiful thing is, Jesus told us. John chapter 17, 1 through 3, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life. Do you want to know what it is? Jesus says this, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is a fellowship with God forever and ever and ever. So, saint, listen, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're going through, if you have eternal life, which means fellowship with God forever, you say, hey, listen, I'm going to put this earthly trouble in its correct box, which is that it's an earthly trouble. I'm not going to let it poison me to go out and do what I've been called to do, which is go into all the world and tell them about Jesus. Tell them about the eternal one and give them the evidence. So we'll close with a question. Do you believe in Jesus based upon the testimony of the water, the blood, and the spirit? If you say, yes, Rusty, I do. Well, here's the thing. I can proclaim to you that you have eternal life. And if you say, Rusty, I want that, the beautiful thing the Bible says is, listen, Confess your sins to your king. 
You bow your knee to him and say, you are king, you are the Christ, you are God, and I ask you to forgive me for everything I've ever done. And I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, and I believe that you rose again on the third day. I believe in the testimony of the blood, of the water, and of the spirit. I believe, I want in. The Bible says this, that he will come in and he will make you born from above and he'll forgive you for all your sins. Now we're gonna have a time of, of response. Now, you might wanna come up here and you might wanna pray at, this, at this, these steps. Now granted, this is just carpet and some wood. This is not an altar, but if you say, you know what, I want it to be, I just need somewhere where I could just go and I want to just, I just got to get with God. You can do that right here, but you can do that in that nice pew that you're sitting in as well. And here's what you're going to say, Lord, I, I, I want you. I believe that you are who you say you are. My life doesn't line up. Rusty keeps saying there should be love in my life and there should be joy and there should be peace, even in a world that is so tragically broken. But I don't have that. Ask him. Ask him for that. Say, Lord, I want that. He's faithful and just. He wants us to operate like him because he says this, you're my representative here on earth. Correctly represent me. Let's pray. Father, you are amazing. Just, just the love that you have for us that you would explain these things. Why we're surprised, I don't know, because you demonstrated your love for us that sent your son, Jesus Christ, to be the sacrifice, to be the sacrificial lamb to die on a cross so that we may live. Oh, Lord, convince people, draw people to come to you, to bow before you, to confess their sin and believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. He's the forgiver of sins. Father, I pray that you would draw men to yourself. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, if you'll stand with me,